This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. This is the Sons of Melchizedek. I'm Gordon Smith, and today we're interviewing Father Todd Goodson. Welcome, Father. Thank you very much. Good to be here. This is the Sons of Melchizedek show, and one of the very first things I always ask uh, our priest guests is, is the question, how do you prefer to be addressed, Father Todd or Father Goodson? Doesn't matter, Father Todd or Father Goodson, either is fine. Okay, good. Well, this is a show about vocations, as we said, and I want to just open up the program a little bit and ask you about your vocation. How long have you been a priest, and what was the process to get there? Uh, okay, I've been a priest for 20 years. I think I'm in my 21st year currently. Uh, the process to get there, like, do you want to know the whole story or just kind of a summary? <laughs> well, well, we'll get back to the priest part in a minute, but okay. what led up to that? At what age did you decide you wanted to become a priest? So it was a little bit of a so-called delayed vocation, at least by today's standards. Uh, I graduated from college. I was a mental health social worker slash hack musician for about four years. And um, through a series of kind of prayer things I was doing and uh, some prayerful discernment, I entered St. Minard Seminary uh, in uh, 1997 at the age of 27. They did call that a, a delayed vocation at one time, but I don't think it's that unusual anymore. Not at all. In fact, at the, it was interesting. At the time, I was one of the younger seminarians uh, at St. Minard. Uh, if I would were to go in today at age twenty-seven, I would have been. I'd be considered an older seminarian. So, how was uh, go even back before that? What's your educational background before then? So uh, I went to—I actually went to the Franciscan University of Steubenville. I graduated from there in 1992 with a psychology degree. And then again, I spent about three years after that just kind of—I was do, I, doing mental health social work, played some music. Um, or I think it was 1996, uh, and this is when I was sort of beginning to more seriously discern a vocation. I had an opportunity to go to a place called the International Theological Institute— in Gaming, Austria, started by Franciscan University. I believe it still exists. Um, and it I, does. I have a daughter there right now. Oh, okay. Well, very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. So I studied there for one year, uh, and then probably through that period of time there, as I was studying theology and you know beginning to kind of take my faith a little bit more seriously, I, I entered seminary right after that year. So, well, folks that um, went to Franciscan University, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, that's 30 years ago now, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a long time unfortunately, ago. Yeah, yeah. those folks were already pretty serious about their faith before mm-hmm. they even got there. This is right. not like you had a, a late calling, but you just had a, a different path to get to the calling, right? Yeah, although I, I, I sometimes jokingly say, I, I probably wasn't the poster child for uh, for Franciscan University at the time I was there. I was not, uh, I, I was Catholic, you know, I went to Mass and I, uh, but I was not particularly devout even during my time there. It probably was until later on, again, probably in my 
mid twenties, it was like, you know, I, I need to kind of sort of get it together. And like, if, if I'm going to, if you will, be a practicing Catholic, then I need to sort of take it seriously and make that the focal point of my life. Now, I would say Francis University was helpful in getting me to a place where I could say that. But at the time there, like I said, I went to mass every Sunday, but I probably wasn't super devout. <laughs> so so you mentioned your musical background. Was mm-hmm. that, uh, Franciscans kind of well known for their uh, glory and praise and, mm-hmm. and um, fops, they call them fops. Yeah, the festivals for, of praise. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I played bass guitar all through college, most of my high school, uh, and then after college too. So I, I did. I played at the festivals of praise from time to time. My sister is also a musician. She sang and played at those as well. Um, and then I, I played for the Steubenville Summer Conferences with under Jim Cowan back in the day uh, from like 92 to 95. So after I was graduated. And then uh, I was in a little bit of a rock band at the time too. Uh, and we played in kind of the local clubs in the area and then did some a little bit in Pittsburgh. And then yeah, that's it. So I was just kind of all over the place, just wherever I could play. Well, that's a blessing that you got that treat um, because the music from there, we still sing it mm-hmm. all the time in, in my mm-hmm. parish yeah. um, up north of 96th Street. Mm-hmm. So we're down here at uh, Our Lady of Greenwood. That's where you're assigned to right now. Yeah. And you've been here about a year or two? No, it's a little bit longer. I'm in the middle of my fourth year. So, fourth year. Yeah. Okay. With all the... A lot of us moved to new parishes sort of right before COVID and all the craziness of COVID hit. So that impacted a little bit our the connection that you were able to make with people in the parish. And so it seems like it might have only been a year or two. But yeah, it's I'm in the middle of my fourth year. And bef- prior to that, you were up at St. Monica Parish on That's the correct. northwest side of Indy. And yep. you also took a tour through southern Indiana, it looks yeah. like. Yeah, I was... Uh, <laughs> So I was at St. Bartholomew in Columbus as an associate pastor for about two and a half years. Uh, from there, I was assigned to Napoleon, St. Morris in Napoleon, Indiana, which is just south of Greensburg, along with Immaculate Conception and St. Dennis, which was in Jennings County. I think at the time it was like the second smallest parish in the, in the diocese. Uh, and then I went to St. Ambrose for four years, and then Monica. So St. Ambrose was in Seymour. Now tell me about— oh. I don't want nope. to forget Our Lady of Providence. I was there at Our Lady of Providence, too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Our Lady of Providence. Which I think Pray was the smallest parish at the time when I when I got there. So, uh, Your upbringing, your parents, what, what impact did your parents have on you and your vocation decision, Father? So um, my, parents, uh, my parents are divorced. I grew up living with my mom. Dad was always in my life as well, but my mom is a particularly devout Catholic, so I went to Catholic school in Bloomington up to the point where Sixth grade, that was a, the, the last year they had a, a Catholic education provided. And then, like I grew up in a very devout Catholic family in the sense that my parents were very dedicated, both my mom and my stepdad, and my dad and my stepmom, they're very religious people. They go to church on a regular basis. Um, and so I would say probably my mom was the biggest influence on that. She was very, uh, with me and my sister, and then my mom and stepdad adopted four kids, so even with them as well, uh, you know, very insistent on, you know, making sure we're praying on a regular basis. Mass was sort of a non-negotiable. Entering into the Franciscan University was kind of important uh, to her that I at least go to a Catholic school or a Catholic college. So I think to that extent, they were very influential. I, I grew up in a, in a household that was of practicing Catholics. So it sounds like they didn't necessarily hit you over the head, but 
they didn't do anything to stand in your way, and yeah. they encouraged it. Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, again, growing up with my mom, my, we were very active in not only the Catholic faith, but if there was like a Christian event or a Christian youth group or something like that, that even if it wasn't Catholic, mom was very, you know, it was very important to her that we were connected with our Christian faith all throughout our lives. Excellent. And that's, what advice would you give parents that might have a, a son that might be considering a vocation? What, what's the best advice you can give them? I, I think certainly you want to pray for your son who is pursuing a vocation. And I would, in that prayer, I think, ask for God's wisdom you know, to know when to say the right thing at the right time uh, to kind of push them to that vocation if you feel that they have one. It is, it is a weird balance, right? You don't want to be like, if you push them over the top and you're just constantly talking, you, they'll, there'll be some resistance to it oftentimes. Uh, yet at the same time, you don't want to just ignore it. <laughs> so you have to kind of find that delicate balance where when is, you know, Lord, when do you want me to say something to my son because I feel they have a vocation? Yeah. Sure, it's really all God's providence anyway. Right. It's not our decision. We were called, right. or you are called. Yeah. I was called to have, have a different vocation. Sure, right. So we all have our vocation. Exactly. Um, being a priest, what is your favorite sacrament to confer? <laughs> a, I get that question. Like, the kids ask that question and stuff, too. I, I don't—I mean, obviously, the Eucharist and celebrating the, the, the Mass is— part and parcel to my life in my day. I, I guess if there was sort of a favorite, that would be it. But I mean, I, I like all the sacraments that I'm allowed to celebrate those. I, I participate fully in all of them. Uh, we offer confessions on a pretty regular basis. I think there's a lot of healing that takes place in confession. Sure. That sure. is uh, excellent to to be a part of. Um, I, I'm trying to do anointing of the sick a little bit more often than I have in the past, and there's a lot of grace there. A lot of those kind of sacraments where you have individual contact with somebody, um, I think those are can be very grace moments. The personal contact part is is really what I want to center on here, okay. because when you act in the confessional, when you act in the, the sacrament of reconciliation or the last rites, extreme unction, you... Mm-hmm are acting in persona Christi. Mm-hmm. You are a direct lifeline between the parishioner and God mm-hmm. and Jesus. So uh, I want to thank you on behalf mm-hmm. of the parishioners for that, that grace that you bestow on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so needed, and we are very grateful to you and your vocation and your choice of vocations to, to be that person for us. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I'm Gordon Smith. This is Sons of Melchizedek Show, and I'm uh, interviewing Father Todd, Father Todd Goodson from Our Lady of Greenwood in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Uh, Father, what is the uh, thing that you might want to tell your parishioners that would be helpful to you as a pastor here at Our Lady of Greenwood, a fairly big parish down here on the south side? Like, what would I tell them? What's helpful? What's helpful for you to—and and what maybe is not helpful? Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're helpful enough. Um I think we are trying to do a little bit more focus on, obviously, the Eucharist this year. And I think— And, and why is that? It is going to be the—I always confuse it. I always say it's the year of the Eucharist, but it's the Eucharistic Revival that is coming up in July of 2024. That's so cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's some pretty outstanding Eucharistic devotion in this parish in particular. I mean, we have a—we're we're building back up to our 24-hour adoration, adoration chapel, but— um, and then 
We have holy hours on a regular basis. Sister Luida, our director of religious education, is organizing a 40-hour devotion for the Immaculate Conception. So I, I think just participating in the prayer of the church, um, that is helpful. I think I was talk, I talk a lot about prayer. I think it's sort of this foundation, right? <laughs> that we have to have a relationship with God that in some sense is our own. And from that, we can build into doing the ministry that we feel that God is calling us to. But the relationship with God, both in the, you know, in the sacrifice of the Mass, but also in your personal life, that is crucial <laughs> to knowing who Absolutely. you are, what God is calling you to, getting a sense of like what life is all about. Uh, I really believe all of that is rooted in prayer. And you mentioned the Liturgy of the Hours, mm-hmm. um, one of the things you do as a priest— I've heard that described before as the church's breathing, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, almost like a, a tide coming in and going out, mm-hmm. and, and you actually uh, immerse yourself in the prayer of the church. So yeah. it's, uh, not everybody does Liturgy of the Hours, but um, for those that do, I think they would agree with that assessment. Mm-hmm. We're going to be right back after a short break, but I'm interviewing today Father Todd Goodson, and I'm down at Our Lady of the Greenwood. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back. You're listening to the Sons of Melchizedek program. I'm Gordon Smith. I'm interviewing Father Todd Goodson, and I'm at Our Lady of the Greenwood in Greenwood, Indiana, in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Father Goodson has been a priest for about 25 years. He had a uh, conversion. He, he calls it a late vocation, uh, by a pretty normal age, age 27, when he started uh, in seminary. And he went to St. Meinrad for four years, three five. years? Five. Five years. Yeah, I did the whole five years. Okay. Yep. And that's a wonderful place, too. That's mm-hmm. a very peaceful place down there. Yeah. So yep. uh, Father Goodson is the senior pastor or, or a co-pastor. What do we call you? Senior pastor, co-pastor? So uh, actually, you're just called the pastor. And then there's okay. associate pastors, or what they call parochial vicars. Uh, however, we have even a weirder situation here. Uh, we're the I am the priest moderator slash pastor of Our Lady of Greenwood, St. Rose, and then I guess I'm the, also the priest moderator of Holy Trinity. Um, this is kind of a priest shortage sort of response to things. It's uh, kind of experimenting with teams of priests. Uh, working at several parishes. So Father Tim is actually, for all practical purposes, pastoring St. Rose. I pastor here with Father uh, Ashok, and then uh, actually uh, Columbus, St. Bartholomew. Father is up here, too, yeah. somewhere. He's retired, and he helps us out uh, from time to time. Uh, but yeah, Father Rodas, actually, you'll see Father Rodas all over the place. He's, he's always helping people out all over the diocese. But he lives in our boundaries. I see. And Indianapolis Archdiocese doesn't have the uh, pastorate-type arrangement that they have in Lafayette. No, no. That's Lafayette. that are joined at the hip. Correct. Yeah, Lafayette has made some pretty significant changes, I believe, to how they operate. We have not—I mean, we have not done that yet. Well, the whole idea of this program, Father, is to get more vocations, more mm-hmm. young men that want to be priests. So, sure. Um, that would solve the whole problem of pastorates or um, insulitum. Did I? Yeah, the insulitum. Uh, yes, that's correct. The insulitum team or whatever they call that now. Yeah. So, what would you tell a young man? Uh, I've asked you what the parents should say, but what would you say as pastor here? 
to a young man that's considering a vocation uh, and what's the best course? Yeah, I mean, it, it, so of course there's different levels of which you're pursuing the vocation. So, I mean, if you've been thinking about it for a while, um, I would take active steps to begin looking at if it's a religious order that you're wanting to join or if you think you're going to be a diocesan priest to contact your vocation office, ask them what are the requirements, what do I need to be doing, etc. If you're early on in your discernment, I think it's, again, it's important to have that be rooted in prayer. I would also make sure you have a few trusted advisors, uh, including a spiritual director of some kind that would be a priest. And you can tell the priest, you know, I'm discerning a vocation, I need a director, and almost every priest would agree to do that or agree to help there. And that seems to me to be at a point where you've already kind of said, yes, I'm really open to considering Mm -hmm. this, but I've also talked to a good number of priests that at some point prior to that resisted mm-hmm. the call. Oh, sure. They, yeah. they, you know, push it away. You know, this can't be me. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I always thought I wanted to be a father and a husband and have kids. Yeah. Did you have any point in your life where you were pushing it away oh, or sure. just not totally open to it? Yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, like, it's so long ago. Um, you know, I'm almost 25 the, years ago. Yeah, I'm almost mm-hmm. at the point where most of my life's been as a priest and, and not as a non-priest or whatever. Of course. I mean, I did enter at 27, and I was, you know, kind of goofing off and having fun in my 20s and wasn't taking life all that seriously. I think, I don't know, I guess I'd say when I began to sort of take life a little bit more seriously as something that I, you know, had some sort of sense of purpose to it, I think that's when I began to, like, really lock into, like, I, I need to pursue a vocation. <laughs> like what and, and was there an event? I mean, was it, I mean, sometimes it's a car accident or something like that. Nothing, nah. a lightning bolt, what happened? So as the story goes, uh, I've told this story millions of times. Um, I had, uh, so after that summer at the International Theological Institutes, I came back to Bloomington uh, and was kind of, I was 26, about to turn 27, you know, was that a little bit of like, what am I doing with my life kind of a point? Um, right. And uh, so I began to sort of make that the summer of active discernment. And so... I'm, at that particular time, I, I was probably a little more engaged in my faith than I really had ever been. Uh, I was going to Mass on a regular basis, trying to pray and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I sort of made a deal with God at the beginning of the summer. I said, I will pursue a vocation for the entire summer, uh, and I will actively seek various religious orders and you know make contact and et cetera. And I said, but by my 27th birthday, if you have not clearly revealed to me that I have a vocation to the priesthood, then I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm just not going to okay, do it. Okay, so it was a bargain. And oh, was yeah, it, was, it was total bargain. Yeah, I was definitely, <laughs> definitely bargaining. Uh, and so I did. I spent the summer. I lived in, I lived in my dad's house. I lived in, I lived in the basement of my dad's house, and I was mowing the lawn at the church. I worked in some group homes for a little bit just to kind of pay rent and bills. And uh, again, I had looked at some other religious orders, but the kind of the, the turning point came was um, there was one of those vocation dinners where a seminarian and a nun come and talk to a group of right. people about like what a vocation is. And my dad had found this out uh, and scheduled a time for me to go there with, I think it was Father Dan Donahue, who was the pastor of St. John's at the time. So we, me and a couple other guys and some other people, we I don't. I feel like we went in like a van or something and drove over there, and um, the date was 
changed. The date was changed. It was on one particular day. It got changed to August 19th. I initially thought that was a little bit of an interesting thing to happen. And I went there. So it's, it's August yeah, 19th. I'll has, get there. <laughs> it, it may have some extra meaning here. It will have some extra meaning. Let me let me get to it. So we got to the dinner, and uh, Archbishop Beekline was behind the counter. I wrote my name on my name tag. I never talked to Archbishop Beekline. I didn't. I actually don't think I even knew who he was. Uh, and I wrote down the name Todd Goodson on there, and he looked at my name tag and goes, "Oh, you're Todd Goodson. I heard you're ready to join us." So August 19th was my 27th birthday, <laughs> and the Archbishop said that to me on my 27th birthday. And everything after that was just like, oh, I guess I, I guess that's the sign. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I you know, found out through a series of circumstances my pastor had been talking to uh, uh-huh. Archbishop Beekline. But nonetheless, as far as signs that you know God is telling you to— that you may have a vocation. I, I think the only thing that would have made it more clear is if there was like a burning bush behind him or something like that. So I entered seminary as soon as I was allowed to, and I've been around ever since. I've heard it said before, both uh, in priestly vocations, but also in conversion stories, that uh, if you wait around for everything to be perfectly in its place and mm-hmm. 100% every question oh, yeah. answered, uh, you'll never get there. Right. And right. Uh, so thank you for your vocation. We, we really appreciate it. And sure. Uh, think of all the people that you've influenced um, over your 25-year career here, and mm-hmm. there's going to be plenty more. Mm-hmm. So we want to thank you for that, Father. I have another question, and it has to do with before you got this a happy birthday present at age 27. Huh. And it has to do with—and I, I don't want to put you on a spot, so please— skip this question if if I am. <laughs> but you said you were goofing around. Yeah. And you said that a couple of times. Yeah. So that it got me thinking, what are you goofing around? You're playing bass guitar. Yeah. You're in some bands. Did you date women? I did, yes. So there's a misconception there that priests are always celibate and never interested in women. Yeah. I think that's probably a pretty big misconception, right? Yeah. Yeah, I dated all through college to the extent that someone would date me. <laughs> and uh, I, had, I, had a, uh, I had a girlfriend for about two years uh, during my 20s. So you are a normal human being. Yes, I, feel, I still feel like I still am. Well, I'm not really that normal. I've never really been that normal. But yes, I am a normal human being. I, I am no different than you know, any other per- person that was my age at that particular time. You're yeah. a distinguished-looking man with a gray beard. What That's can I right. say? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Father, what is uh, your plan for the future? What what's, what do you want to do with this parish? I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you talk to any of people who know me, uh, advanced planning is not a strength of mine. I'm a little bit more of a day-to-day guy. Um, we have a pastoral plan, and I used to even kind of say these things at St. Monica's too, something that's developed in, in my thought as I get older as a priest is that kind of these— Three focal points that I think are important in the life of the church, and that would be prayer, which should lead to your vocation, and from your vocation and prayer, evangelization. That Those three kind of key words are always sort of in my head as to like orchestrating all ministry around those three themes, and I just really think you can't go wrong. <laughs> If well, you mentioned that several times as well. Besides the goofing around comment that I just brought up again, yeah. uh, you you have brought up prayer many times in this yeah. conversation. Yeah. So, 
that it has to be focal to all of our lives, right, Father? Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, I talk about, I'm not naturally like a prayerful person. I, I, I really am not. I'm not kind of any kind of guru of spirituality or anything like that. And I think that's why I talk about it all the time, because it, it's in some sense, it's reminding myself, I've got to remain anchored in Christ or... You it's got to be on the front burner. Yeah, if it's if it's all just like my ideas and what I think, it's never going to go anywhere, so. and never will because it's all in God's hands, right. God's providence. Yeah, um, we have this uh, Eucharistic Congress coming up in twenty twenty four, and you have a very active parish here, I'd say. So, yeah. are you having special plans for the the Congress that? that you want to disclose at this time, or have at, you... At this point, no. We're we're probably, again, we're going to do this 40-hour devotion, at least under my time here. This is the first 40-hour devotion we've really tried. I think there's some thought to expanding our uh, Corpus Christi procession a little bit. I, I would say in general, I'm pretty pleased with the Eucharistic devotion I encounter here at Our Lady of the Greenwood. This is a parish that I would consider very devoted to the Eucharist. That I, I, I'm not finding myself having to do a lot of convincing about the importance of it and things like that. It's probably, I, I don't know if it's against diocesan policy, but we have four tabernacles on site. <laughs> the nuns have one. There's a, I, I won't I, say a word. <laughs> well, I just publicly said it again. You know, the nuns have one. We've got an adoration chapel. We've got a, a daily mass chapel. And then we've got our main worship space, all four of which have tabernacles. So, I mean. I, well, that's so important. And, uh, you know, we are coming off uh, about a year ago, the mm-hmm. pandemic. Yeah. And that's at a time that was very shocking to many parishioners mm-hmm. here as well as my parish uh, when they couldn't get at the, the sacraments, couldn't mm-hmm. get at the adoration. Right, um, did right. you uh, restore adoration fairly quickly after you were permitted to? I felt as quickly as we could, we did. Uh, you know, that was a weird time for everybody. I think there's a lot of things in hindsight. I'd be like, well, maybe we would have done that differently if we weren't so confused about what was going on. <laughs> sure, it was a very difficult time yeah. for everybody. And um, are your parishioners pretty much back? Um, yeah, I would say so. Wise? I mean, I think I hate to say it. I think most pe- most priests you talk to would say we probably have lost some because of that. I mean, I wasn't really here long enough before it happened to really get a good sense of like how many we've lost. But I would say the parish is pretty active and vibrant at this point. Oh yeah, this I, is well known. I sometimes say I'm, I'm kind of perpetually dissatisfied, so I always like to see more if we can get more things going on. But, um, but yeah, I, I say uh, the life of the church is there. But you know, there's just so much ministry that can be done out there. There's, you know, I mean, for every Catholic, there's probably one fallen away Catholic. Um, multiple people here who, you know, people who are poor, people who are in financial need. And there's just lots of stuff. I think we can kind of continue to work on and continue to grow in. Well, we all need to save souls. That's what we're trying to do at Catholic Radio Indy, and that's what you're trying to do here at Our Lady of the Greenwood. Uh, This would be a good time to mention, however, uh, we are uh, going to air this a couple weeks after we taped it, but uh, just this week in Johnson County and northern or southern Marion County, we have our new frequency for Catholic Radio Indy. It's on 89.5 now. So if you haven't found that out yet, we'll try to publish it at the uh, Flock Notes or Bolton here. At, so at you're actually just down the road from us. You're down in Franklin? In Franklin. Oh, it, well, excellent. Well, the tower, the tower for this new signal is in Trafalgar, right oh, next okay. to the Channel 4 ta- Tower, if you know where that is. Yeah. So, um, and, but it covers all of Johnson County quite well and all the way down to... Um, Scipio, which is south of mm-hmm. Columbus, as you know. Yep. 
So we've been interviewing Father Todd Goodson today. I'm Gordon Smith. This is the Sons of Melchizedek program. Thank you for your time, Father. No problem. Thanks for interviewing me. God bless you. All right, likewise. Take care. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy.